Ad Astra Avisosk, and welcome to today's episode. I'm Layla, and I'm the Bermuda Triangle. I'm Monica, and I am Quicksand. This will probably make sense soon, I promise. Uh, today's commissions include the 2.7 story quest, Yelan's impeccable flexibility with our team comps, Ito's fear of beans, and Zhao and Zhongli's relationship. Because, like, Yulon, I'm not going to lie, I uh, saw the art of her and I was like, mm, she's just a sexy lady, but she's actually pretty fun. I have never been so conflicted about a character in my entire Genshin career. You've really been so conflicted. It's no offense. It's been really amusing. <laughs> Good. I'm glad it's so amusing for one of us. I... Part of why I think I've been very successful as a free-to-play player is that I, through no particular, like, goal, have been kind of picky about who I want to play. And that's because I don't really like building characters. And so I don't want to just accumulate a bunch because I I want to play the ones that I have. Oh, I don't. And so (laughs) it's not relatable. (laughs) Sorry, keep going. And so uh, normally, I think I mentioned this before, like, I always do the trial and hope that I don't like the character's play style because then I'm like, easy, easy skip. And so Yelan, like you said, her, like, uh, art came out and I was like, she's pretty, she looks like her hair is soft and she's got nice (laughs) armpits apparently is what they're uh, showing off. Everyone calls her the armpit lady, don't look at me like that. This is a podcast. People don't know how I'm looking at you. Yeah, but that's why I'm describing it. They'll understand from my reaction. This reaction between you and me. This intimate moment we're sharing. Anyway, I thought the same thing where I was like, she looks cool. I don't think I'm going to want to pull for her. And then I did her trial and I was like, okay, trial's pretty fun. She is definitely like a five-star Cho, but that's okay. That's cool. And then I played her in the event and I went, damn it. She works really well with the teams that I somehow have put together. <laughs> and now I keep going back and forth. Yeah, that's how I felt too. I mean, my I had all this angst like a few weeks ago. And I figured out I was just going to pull for her anyways then. Because I um, lost my last 50-50 on the Venti banner, I'm pretty sure. Um, and I didn't really want a Yaka. Although, watch me be wishy-washy about that in like a few weeks. And be like, I should have pulled her. I didn't want a Yaka while she was on the banner. So I was like, next banner, I guess I'm either pulling for Yilan, because I had a pretty high pity after. <laughs> I think we all had a high pity <laughs> after Yilan's banner. Um, and I was like, Zhao's first constellation is not that good. It's just an extra charge of his e-skill, right? Yeah, which, I mean, in a perfect world where I had infinite money, yes, I would love a C6 oh, yeah. Zhao with his weapon. But I don't, I don't have those funds. But in the real world. At least not for Genshin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I was like, yeah, like, unless Yulan, like, sucks, I'm gonna get her. And I think she's fun. I think um, I was telling you about this earlier this week. But for me, I was like, okay, like, her, her moves are really fun in the demo. But, like, I was like, she's really fun. Um, I don't know if she'll be, like, if these abilities will be useful in every single situation. But, I mean, most characters aren't Mm -hmm. um but i was like she'll be great on uh an exploration team because i can just spam her e instead of using up my precious stamina yes and i've already been seeing people like make videos like that so i'm at pity 73 so she's coming home at some point 
I'm excited. Yeah, you've got time, too. There's, like, two and a bit more weeks of the banner. Well, part of me, and this is the stupidest part of my brain, is, like, ugh, excited to get Yelon. Um, but after that, once, you know, we've secured the bag, I might do a little bit of wishing on the weapon banner. Nah, I think Primordial J-Wing's beer is exciting to get. Um, her bow is the other option. So either way, I feel like you have a useful weapon, which is not super common on the weapon banner. There's usually one like throwaway weapon. Yeah, I think in a way I'm lucky that I have the other character on the banner because mm-hmm. if, since both their weapons are up, they they would both be useful. I honestly feel like Yelan's, Yelan's, uh, we're just going to say her name wrong a bunch of times. I'm so sorry. I haven't done her story quest yet. I haven't internalized it yet. We're not prepared. <laughs> like, I think her bow would be great for a lot of people. So Yeah, it seems really cool. Even the weapon, or not the weapon, the event bow seems pretty good for like a large amount of bow characters. Um, I low-key am thinking about putting it on Diona. <laughs> oh, that'd be cute. I'm always surprised to see Primordial J-Bing Spear on the weapon banner, though, because it's also on the standard banner weapon list. Yeah, I did know that, and part of that makes me feel not as great to pull for it. Um, But I do have a Zhao, and I would like to one day have him be quote-unquote fully built. Not gonna lie, part of me is also like, if I keep playing this game forever... And they don't make significant changes to their standard banner. Part of me was like, I'm going to get it eventually. You are, but I think you have every reason to pull on this banner because both weapons are very useful to you. And it's not like getting a second Primordial Jade Wing Spear is a bad thing. Like if you did happen to also get it on a standard banner, then you have R2 and that's great. Unless you're like our friend who, I guess this one's a four star, but our friend who has like C8. Six rusts. On the <laughs> yeah. rust. Yeah, she pulled another one today. Oh, good. Good for her. Yeah. Oh, 07 or whatever that means. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for context, Layla just saluted. <laughs> I'm going to scream. We're going to have to release this as a video podcast. We're having a lot of visual elements in this podcast, yeah. I forgot we were audio only. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm really happy to see who's on this banner. Yelan is cool, and we have the girl squad on this banner, because the four stars are Barbara, Noel, and Yanfei. As you all know, resident Yanfei lovers here, but... That's part of why I'm not pulling is that I already have C6 Barbara and C6 Yanfei. And I think I have like C4 Noel. So I'm not even like, I couldn't even benefit from these four stars. So I think that's why ultimately I will end up skipping Yelan. But it really like worked out in the worst possible way. Well, I'm the exact opposite. And I, I mean, I have all of them, but I'm at like C to noel my yon face pretty built because i wailed for the five on the last banner i remember her being on she's also on a lot of banners i feel she is she's been coming up a lot people love her yeah i was like maybe she just has good synergy um and then i have no constellations on barbara and i used barbara so much when i first started playing this game that part of me is like it would be nice to get a few constellations on barbara you know, get a second healer for the spiral abyss, which I'm never gonna do in my big, big dream. 
like maybe many other people who use Barbara's to get her to C6 so she can do the full res. You know what? I am remembering that. I must have C5 Barbara because I definitely don't have the automatic res, but I have so many Barbaras that it must be C5. A whole choir, some would say. Oh my god, imagine like a whole girl group of Barbaras. Like an idol group. I feel like there's like a a YouTube video or like a TikTok of people doing that in co-op probably. Oh my god, probably. I bet you could do her burst and it does the like... She's the only four-star, by the way, with the five-star burst animation. I heard about that. I realized that. Um, Just putting that out there. It's interesting for sure. She deserves it. We love her. One of our friends is like an active Barbara main. Our friend uses pretty much exclusively, at least in co-op, where you can only use a couple of characters, Lisa and Barbara. And just recently he got Yanfei and joined the Yanfei Lovers Club. And I was like, this man stands Catalyst Women, which is the only Catalyst that exists for now. And we support that. He's right. <laughs> He's right. Uh, people who hate on the Catalyst Weapon, I'm like, listen, it's so easy. You just stand anywhere on the field and they get hit. I am only here for elemental damage. That's why the Catalysts are my favorite. I don't want to yeah. do stupid little white numbers. <laughs> I want the pretty numbers that are colorful. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Sorry, I was just thinking, I was like, oh, I guess since I'm trying to remember, so you start off the game with um, Amber, Kaya, Lisa, and Traveler, right? And then when you finish the Mondstadt one? When you finish one, the Mondstadt Archon quest, you get Barbara for free, and that's your last free character. Um, And so then through the wish Oh, okay, okay, okay. Okay, so I was thinking about it. I was like, I wonder, I wasn't playing at the time, but I was like, I wonder if Barbara was free to play so that people would be able to guarantee have all of the elements. Um, I don't know if it had to do with guaranteeing the elements. I think it was more to guarantee a healer for comp. Uh, People can just get good. Not me. I'll be playing with a healer forever. (laughs) Other people can get good. But the rest of you guys can get good. Me playing with my healer and the shield on all parties. Me, both, both me, are good. me putting Kokomi, Bennett, and Zhongli on a team. Oh my gosh. I'll be honest, I think it's because my Bennett isn't very well built, but I honestly forget that he heals. <laughs> I I use him for the the like attack boost, but I also don't really care about doing huge damage most of the time. So I primarily use him as a healer. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> but yeah, I the Elon banner is cool. I think part of the reason, and you had mentioned this in a previous podcast, I think part of the reason why I kind of t- changed my mind about wanting to pull for her is because of her immediate involvement in the story. And I like grew attached to her as a character, yeah. which is not always the case with some of the featured banner characters. Though I feel like they've been doing better about this because people were like, why are we getting another Zhao rerun? It, the last one was not that long ago, but I think it makes a lot of sense to feature the characters that are prominently in the story at the time of release. Yeah, he sure is prominently in the story, isn't he? He is. And I think we'll just throw a blanket spoiler warning for the 2.7 Archon Quest. We are about to discuss it. Unsurprisingly, it made me cry. (laughs) And uh, just be warned, if you haven't played it, we're going to be talking about it in detail. This feels like a good time to segue into the Archon Quest, but I do want to briefly touch on Zhao's banner. 
We didn't talk about it that much because uh, I was a Zhao Winter and in February I became a Zhao Haver. Um, and I just want to say uh, I love everything about him. <laughs> um, the reason why we didn't talk about him is not because we didn't like him, but because it is a known fact. Um, and we can go into more detail about that perhaps in the next section of our news discussion. We thought we had nothing new to share, and then we spent 45 minutes talking about Ayato, the podcast, after that, so now we don't care about talking about popular characters. <laughs> we'll rehash <laughs> the same opinions, it's fine. Oh yeah, we were like, there's no need to put it on a schedule. It'll come out organically. <laughs> um, yeah, this Archon Quest was wild. I've been really enjoying the Chasm, I know we talked about it last episode as well. The Chasm's been really cool in terms of like a place to explore but what really sold me on this archon quest was like the ragtag group of people that we ended up with it was so random it felt really random it did a i was like okay i get how they work this in it like ties into both like kuki and yelan and i guess they were like if kuki's here then ito has to be here therefore ito is coming i like like it all ended up making sense towards the end and if I think about it, I'm like, like you said, yeah, and like Yanfei is connected to Kuki, Yanfei is connected to uh, Yelan. Um, but at first, I definitely was like, this feels really random. Oh, and Yelan's connected through ancestry to Zhao, which is wild. Yeah, that was wild. That was wild. So everyone told me that this Archon quest was like really gonna make me cry. And I both resent that and also appreciate that everyone knows that about me. <laughs> You're like, listen, but- I'll cry when I'm ready to. <laughs> yeah, I'll cry on my own terms. But I was going through the Archon quest. And I think that unfortunately, that people warning me about it, like made me really on edge about knowing when I was gonna cry. And so I didn't really get down emotional when the big like scene happens with Zhao and Zhongli. But then the like context lore scene happened and I was like crying <laughs> immediately yeah. and I was like there it is there it is yeah the fully rendered scenes got me bad um yeah. do we want to just talk about those or do we want to start from the beginning a very good place to start we can start from the beginning and we can cut it out if it's boring fair enough um okay I wanted to share with you I don't know if I've told you this but you probably figured it out that a few weeks ago weeks like few months ago years at the beginning of the podcast i was like listen i know that the chasm has opened up i haven't done any of it yet i did all of it in like a day. <laughs> to prepare for this yeah and uh i know it's it's past it's not a hot topic but i just wanted to say it was fun i should have done it when it came out i will continue to procrastinate on everything mm-hmm. the exploration is really fun the like map is really confusing the like final sort of like platforming puzzle when you're in the upside down thing castle it's a castle right the like upside down city yeah Fortress. yeah um it was really cool and there was one part where i was like 90 percent sure i like cheesed it mm. but it was really fun i uh keep saying this after every dane's leaf like story update but they keep trying to be like feel sorry for the hilly churls like they're real people like don't you feel so empathetic towards them and then uh like two seconds later you're like time to do my commissions and they're like we need you to kill like eight of these motherfuckers yes Yes. i think 
this Archon quest in a similar way, like you just said, to the first one in the chasm was very much like what's happening with Conria. We're going to talk about Conria. And while I was streaming the quest on Twitch, one of our viewers and one of our friends was like, oh, I so want to know what's happening with Conria. Like, I really want to dig into that lore. And I brought up that while I absolutely agree with that, I also desperately want to know, like, the war crimes that happened on the Archon. <laughs> and I specifically mentioned Zhongli, obviously, no surprise. And so when he showed up at the end of this quest, I was like, finally, we'll know. And obviously we didn't. But I was so excited to, like, potentially learn the dark side of the Archons because I think that's going to be such an interesting reveal that we know is coming, but we have no context for. Yeah, it'll be very sexy of them. To be honest, for the beginning of, are you okay? <laughs> I nearly spat take. That was. Oh, uh, I was gonna say I was kind of, I was kind of surprised at first in the um in the Archon quest because I kind of thought, oh, wouldn't Zhongli kind of be involved in this kind of thing? I don't know. My logic was rocks. No, me too. Though secret rock place in country he was in charge of. Yeah. Um, so yeah, his surprise appearance was very validating because I was like, damn, I'm right. He is. I mean, he was there for Zhao, but I was like, he is involved in the secret rock place. He is. Well, and I don't know if you did this quest. We're jumping all over the place. We said we would do this chronologically and we're not. But I don't know if you did the quest that unlocks immediately after you finish the Archon quest, but it's literally like a five minute cutscene quest. Did you do that one? It involves strongly describe it and i'll confirm or deny you you go back to leeway after everything that happens and you run into zhongli who's talking to a storyteller at the not okay it's literally just a five minute quest i'm not gonna spoil it for you but first of all it's completely unvoiced and you're like we just got off of an incredibly voiced our conquest you couldn't voice these three seconds and i understand it's because zhongli wasn't in this quest so they didn't book him for a session like a vo session like i get but it was a very weird to be like, oh, wow, there's a lot of info is dropping and I have to read all of it out loud in my yeah. own voice. And it, it was so cryptic. Like, basically, you run into Zhongli and you're like, isn't it cool? Like, isn't it cool how you did that, Zhongli? And he's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, are, is this humor? I, there's no tone, so I cannot tell if it's sarcastic. Yeah, that's interesting. Because I did have a moment where I was like, was that Zhongli when his like symbol appeared? And I was like, maybe it's just a random geo mystery. But then like Zhao talks about him afterwards, so it clearly and they was. Show, they show his like, I don't know, his cape or whatever as he turns yeah. around. Clearly Zhongli, but Yeah, so it like it's confirmed Zhongli, so I guess he's probably just being like Facetious. being like Rex Lapis. I don't know him. Um Couldn't be me. <laughs> he's like, I'm just uh, how would I do that? All I do is drink tea and help Hu Tao and, uh, no money. do funeral plans. Do you think he's like an intern? Uh, like an no, he's unpaid a consultant. Intern. Yeah, that. an unpaid, unpaid consulting intern. Um, I think what was really interesting is that the cutscene, the like flashback cutscene between Zhao and Zhongli confirms what at least I've been wondering for a long time, which is that Zhao does know Rex Lapis is alive. Or at least he knows that Zhongli is Rex Lapis. Because at first, everyone was like, this really fucked up. Zhongli faked his death. And Zhao, who has sworn, like, infinite loyalty to Rex Lapis, 
now thinks he has outlived even Rex Lapis and he's like living in suffering. So it was nice for me to see that like at least Zhao knows that Rex Lapis hasn't left him, even if he's like sworn off his duties, like the person is still there. That makes sense. I actually hadn't uh, heard this fan speculation. So what I thought you were going to say just now is it confirms what people have been talking about a long time, which is that Zhang Li is Zhao's dad, basically. Basically? And I was like, yeah, it did. Um, but I was completely off. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's a platonic friend love. Maybe it's a dad love. Who knows? Oh, I understand why you're being cautious. People People read a lot of different kinds of loves between a bunch of different characters. And I respect that. Good for them. Good for them. People do talk a lot about the Yaksha lore, which I do not know enough about, but we learn or we are reminded that Zhao's name is actually a, a, a lattice. And yeah. apparently he started going by Zhao only when Zhongli saved him from like whatever he was going through, but in exchange for that turned him into a Yaksha. So going by a lattice at one point in the Archon quest, he like, he, uh, he, Mentions it because they they hear Boratius's memories ask for General Alatus, and I was yeah. like, mm. "Will the real General Alatus please stand up?" <laughs> Anyways, like I said, I respect everyone's ships. This just confirms to me that Zhang Li is Zhao's dad. He named him. Yes. He raised yes. him. Yes, I was gonna say I thought this um, Archon quest though really cool from like someone who loves story was very cutscene heavy. I think yeah. the first hour of it, you like walk two steps and that's all the playing you do. But later on, it got to like a little bit more puzzling and you know when you reach the fantastic compass and it's like, mm. go backwards and forwards in time. That was fun. I was so stupid. <laughs> I I understood what they were saying. I understood that they were like, stuff you do in the past will affect the future. And I understood that the tree was blocking the compass in the future. And then I could not go that extra step to be like, therefore, there must be a tree for me to destroy in the past. Because I kept running around being like, how do I stop the tree from being planted? Because I, I didn't physically notice that the tree was like a little shrub that you could break. No, I think you, you weren't being dumb. I like also kind of like had a, like a hiccup at that part where I was like going back and forth between the first two like times that are available and messing with things and not quite getting the thing that needed to be messed with like I found a treasure chest and I opened a gate and I was like cool yes. but how do I get to these other times so um, I was talking to my roommate about it our good mutual friend my roommate <laughs> her name is my roommate um and I John Cena John Cena <laughs> um and I was I was like in this event specifically like I feel like it kind of highlights an issue that I personally have with um, Genshin's sort of game design, which it's not that a big deal. Like, it's not that big a deal. Like, obviously, I play the game, like, every week. Yeah. But the instructions for the events can be so vague sometimes. Vague despite being 600 words. Yeah, I I personally feel that the UI is not very readable. Um, <laughs> me throwing around big game design words. Um, but I feel like it's not the most, like, readable, especially since, like, the core audience is supposed to be people playing on their mobile phones. Yeah. And it's, like, the language is kind of confusing. So a lot of the times, like, 
even if I read like every single part of the instructions, like something will be like a little confusing for the first few minutes of the event. Agreed. My other thought about this event was um, there's this sort of like TV trope. Uh, in fact, I learned about this as a young person back when I read tvtropes.org all the time. <laughs> uh, but there's this TV trope called a bottle episode. Have you, are you familiar with that? You know, I, the word sounds familiar, but I can't describe it. I think you'll, I think you'll like recognize it once I tell you like in more detail. So basically like a bottle episode, um, the way I understand it, I could be misremembering is an episode that like in a TV show that takes place in one location. Oh yes, 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 yes. And the like, according to TV tropes slash memory, the like original reason why like shows would have bottle episodes is because it'd be like late in the season and they'd want to cut back on episode costs so that they could like take that like extra budget and put it to like a really nice finale. So they were like, oh, a lot of these. So so viewers were like, a lot of these shows have sort of like a, a bottle episode, sort of two thirds of the way through the show, where like there aren't as many locations or effects or costumes, and it's typically like all of the characters stuck in a room and I think people started to enjoy them because they like end up being very characterful slash because they can't rely on the set as much they end up being mm-hmm. like more writing focused all of that to say um the first part of this quest I was like is this like a bottle episode like yeah. with no disrespect because I still thought it was fun I was like we're in the like like there were only like a few like two sets basically nameless like, nameless rock cave rock cave and compass compass realm domain yeah and so at first i was kind of like like were they literally (laughs) this feels mean i don't mean it in a critical way but i was like were they trying to cut down on costs by like only having a certain amount of set pieces that being said i really enjoyed all the domains like in between the loops or in between all the quests so i don't actually think that was the case but it was something that it reminded me of i guess yeah it was super interesting I think it, I think seeing the whole thing now, I was like, okay, it does make sense. The location was cool. The like tie into the Yaksha story, but kind of like what you're saying at the beginning of it all, I was like, cause it's the interlude, right? Like this is the Archon quest. It's the official Archon quest, but we're not yet at act three. This is still the act two interlude. So you're like, oh, this is like the filler episode of my favorite TV shows. <laughs> but I think it ended up really, even though it does not, quote-unquote advance the Archon Quest story, I think it did end up really, like, filling out in a way that I felt was worth doing. Yeah, I think it filled it out. Like, I personally don't follow the Yaksha story as much as I know some Michelle fans do, but I thought it was really cool to, like, learn more about those characters and their dynamic and what happened to Posecious. It was. It was very sad. The whole, like, final cutscene with Yelan's ancestor, ah, ha. Yelan's ancestor and voracious, and the fact that he calls him brother. I was like, at first, I was like, teehee, brother. And then it kept going, and I was like, oh god, I'm gonna cry. And the next time someone says brother, I'm gonna burst into tears. So I didn't cry at that part, and it's my fault because <laughs> the morning that quest unlocked, or maybe the day after, the Genshin YouTube channel like uploaded the cutscene so that people could like rewatch it and like high def, and I wasn't paying attention while I was scrolling on social media and I just watched it and I was like, what is this? Who is she? So I fucked that up for myself and I didn't cry, but I did cry like a silly little person when Zhao like tries to sacrifice himself 
I was like, one, it looks visually very like fun, like this cutscene, but also like, you dumb bitch, this is what we were all trying to stop this whole time. Yeah, I think it's so, it, it was really like an easy way to give us some idea of Yelan's character to have her react so strongly to that suggestion. And it also gave us a really cool insight into Ito's character via Kuki, who is like, yeah. the problem with Ito is that he doesn't even realize that he's being self-sacrificing right now. Like in his brain, he truly believes that he just could have done that and then gotten us out of here. And that's like the big difference between Ito and a lot of the other characters is like yeah. this not a misunderstanding of himself, but like this blatant optimism that like turns to danger sometimes. Yeah, I also um, had to, I had the Ito story quest queued up. So I had to complete that before I did this event. And I really liked it. I didn't really think too much about Ito, just like head empty when he first was revealed. But ever since I heard his voice actor, in the Inazuma quest, I've been obsessed. I keep like, I mean, it's Ryuji from Persona. His voice actor's so good, and apparently, like a bunch of the goofy stuff that he says is improv, which I think is very cute. Um, and I enjoyed his like his Oni story. It was really cute. I I kept screaming, not screaming, <laughs> but like every time you Ushi was in a cutscene, I kept being Aww. like, "There's no way I'm gonna cry." There's no way I'm going to cry. I keep staring at Ushi, who's bopping his little butt around. Um, and also, like, I kind of forgot Ito was there sometimes, especially because there's a whole portion of the quest where he was, he like, is, asleep. Like, I was like, yeah. could they not get the voice actor to... <laughs> that much. But when he calls... Because him and Paimon have a fight, and she decides to call him a bad nickname, which is Bullchucker, which is funny. And in response, he calls her Floating Lavender Melon or whatever. But then when Paimon gets sick, he says, don't worry, like, I'll take care of our little Floating Lavender Melon. And that hurt me. That Their nicknames my heart. were really cute. Like, Paimon was just saying it casually, and I was like, wow, this is how people who, like, always give people nicknames live. They just live with this. Yeah, they just accepted. Anything else you want to talk about about the banner? I don't think so. There, I mean, there's like a if we don't have any thoughts on it, I might cut this out. But there's like a whole other like aspect to it we didn't talk about with the like domain um, where you pick the trial yeah, characters. Yeah, it's interesting because this is the first Archon quest that has coincided with an event, and people were nervous because the Archon quest has like a time, but. They Hoyovers has confirmed the quest won't disappear, but the event associated with it will only be available at this time. So the That's event cool. is like a, a battle simulator, like a lot of their events are. But the catch is that out of the four characters on your team, each round, only one of them can go on. So it's kind of forcing you to use more of your characters. And they have a bunch of trial characters. So I think even if you had like zero built characters, you would be fine. But it's kind of fun because it's been forcing me to try to make new team comps, which is why I accidentally figured out Yelan would fit in a lot of my team comps. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I I don't know. I think this is relatable. I only have a few characters that are like built and it's like my main team and then like two two or three other people because I'm lazy uh and also it takes a lot of grinding to build a character up I'm just saying um so definitely like had the feeling as I was building teams where I was like I have to ration the characters I built um and only using use them sparingly in the teams for the event which was nice because I'm used to using them all together um and like you said I got to try a lot of team comps 
and I found out I like playing as Yelan. Yeah, that's the problem. She's so fun. <laughs> SMH. SMH. It. Oh, I've definitely said this before, but these like trial domain events always they get me bad. They get me down bad because they'll like have a character that was available like a banner or two ago, and I'll be like, damn, maybe I should have pulled for Ball. Maybe I should have pulled for like this character. Like maybe maybe I'm I was a dumbass when I decided yeah. I didn't like their play style. That's how they get I, you. I, feel that. I definitely feel that. I've also only done the first part of the event out of four. Me but too. Wait, literally me. I'm not expecting it to be that different for the rest yeah. of it. Like, so, but it's fun. And it's kind of fun to have an event that, like, ties into the Archon Quest. It sucks for the people who, like, miss the event. But at least the lore will still be there versus some of the events that have come out have like their own lore that is not found anywhere else. So I think this is a better like middle ground for that. It gives me so much FOMO, but it's okay because I'm playing now. I know. When will we get the Scaramouche event? <laughs> Let's dive into our community topic. So our question that we are posing to each other and our community is kind of a heavy one. Give it a good think. What would have been behind your door of fears? Oh, like the door that's in the Archon Quest where Ito sees someone throwing beans in him. Yeah, and um, Yelan refuses to go through it. Kuki, the state secrets that she holds. Kuki, uh, I remember hers was like, hers hit the hardest, especially because she was a new character, where she was like, oh, it's my parents being disappointed that I have ambitions. Yeah. Um, let's actually quickly, since we're on this topic, talk about Yawn Phase, which... When I watched it, I was like, oh no, Yanfei's tragic backstory. Are these like her foster parents? What's going on? And then she comes out and she's like, oh, I hate dealing with domestic like disputes. So I actually, I also thought the same at first. I was like, oh no, like Yanfei's parents are fighting. And in my head, I was like, oh, that's a worst case scenario for her because I remember her saying she had a really great home life and she oh, yeah. was always like worried about it. But it was even funnier when I realized that it was like a domestic dispute because I remember her actually saying, yeah. I really hate domestic disputes because my home life was so great that I can't put myself in their shoes. Good for you, Yanfei. It's honestly, like, I can't get mad at someone who says that because good for them. Yeah, she really hit the jackpot. So with that in mind, what would do you know what yours would be? Um, I have a few thoughts. I think I can guess what yours would be. Okay, probably. <laughs> I think it's. I think uh, if you opened the door, fears, and you walked into the room, you would see a bunch of giant spiders. Yeah, probably. I actually <laughs> hadn't. I hadn't thought about that at first. I was like, oh, like being embarrassed at work or like getting into a big fight with my partner. And then we were talking about like generic fears. And I was like, oh, spiders are definitely at the top of that list. To be completely honest, I would be like Ito instead of being someone was throwing spiders at me. I would die. Well, so I was thinking about it. And at first I did take it very realistic. And I was like, oh, would it be like uh would it be like harsh feedback at work or at school or like from someone that I care about uh would it be like re-experiencing a cringe thing that I did when I was eight that I still think about every once in a while um and then I was like what if my fear was people throwing beans at me I would hate that too yeah it's such like a 
not just like the item that you fear, but like interacting with it w- against your will. <laughs> I'll say tomatoes for mine. It's not, this isn't an answer rooted deep in my psyche, but I was thinking about the beans and then I was like, I'm not like allergic to them like Ito is. And then I was like, you know what? As a kid, I always thought would suck would be getting pelted with those rotten tomatoes that like, like the. Like you did a bad stand up job and people are like, yeah, or like I'm in some like old timey stocks and like they're like, boo, boo, and are throwing old fruit at me. That would suck so much. It's the it's the the five fears of children getting pelted with tomatoes, the Bermuda Triangle, hurricanes, quicksand, and falling anvils. Oh my god. That's what we fear when we're young. I don't know if I had all of those fears, but <laughs> I get it. I get that. It was a good talk. So that's a little bit more into our psyche and kind of what we fear in a metaphorical and also very real way. Um, if you all want to let us know what your what would be behind your door of fears, please do not hesitate to tweet at us at Astra Podcast at at Astra Podcast. Um, or I don't know. Can you leave comments on Spotify? Leave us a comment. No, you can't. <laughs> We encourage all of you to try. <laughs> yeah, write to the developers of Spotify and tell them we asked you to leave a comment and you're not sure how to oh, do man. it. Oh man, I feel like that's how we would get our podcast shut down. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. To get away from the uh, fears topic, what uh, what else are you playing? Um, yeah, so I've been playing two very hardcore games. I'm not a casual. I'm super hardcore. So I don't even know if you've heard of them. Uh, Switch Sports and Cozy Grove. Damn. You pull these games out of uh, under a rock or something. Yeah, man. I just super indie. I guess Cozy Grove is actually an indie game. It is. Let me tell you my quick anecdotes about these games. Switch Sports, if you're not in the loop, because it's, it's honestly a less catchy name, but Switch Sports uh, is the Switch version of Wii Sports. Um they replaced some of the sports from the original Wii Sports with new ones. And the first time I played it, I was playing it with a friend. And we found that there's an online mode with, I guess you could call it like a free battle pass, where every like, I want to say it, like two week period, playing online will give you points. If you do well, you get more points. And accumulating points will get you random accessories accessories yes random accessories for you to put on your Wii Sports character so me and my friend we played Switch Sports for legit like five hours in one city <laughs> it was a little it's a little dumb uh, my personal recommendations for the best games of Switch Sports are uh, soccer um, tennis of course and OG bowling and then i really like volleyball but you need a you need a partner you can trust you need lightning fast fucking reflexes it's a good game and then cozy grove i think people may have heard of it came out did it come out last year or the year before um Google, i'm asking you because i thought i thought you had early access to the game but maybe i'm thinking of someone else i didn't have early access but i played it pretty much the day it released march 19th 2021 oh last year Almost, so almost, well, a few months after, but almost exactly a year after it came out, I finally got Cozy Grove, and I've been playing it very slowly. 
Um, and you know what? It is a really fun, chill game. And the aesthetic's really pretty. And uh, that's all I have to say. It's a good game. I think the only reason I fell off of Cozy Grove is because they their like gameplay loop is like 20 to 30 minutes a day and they really try and limit you. I mean, obviously if you wanted to play more, like you can, but it's kind of hard and I binge my video games. So I was like, stop trying to limit how much I can play. So I just stopped playing. It actually works out pretty well for me because that's around the time my attention span starts drifting. For some reason, I haven't played it on like the TV mode yet. I've just played it in handheld, but oh, I'm playing it on my Switch. I don't know if that's important information, but for some reason, I am really bad at seeing the like collectible items they want you to find. Like I've had to go to that one bear that gives you hints on where to find things like for almost every quest. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. But I did that too. Yay. That's validating. Uh, yeah, that's fun. Maybe I will get back into Cozy Grove. As someone who's played Switch Sports with you, big recommend. Uh, volleyball is where it's at. You do have to stand up for it for optimum <laughs> playability. <laughs> bowling, bowling and uh, volleyball, you gotta stand up. The rest you can play from your couch. I think you can. You should stand up for tennis, but you could probably play it sitting down. It's all about the arms, baby. <laughs> Um, in a surprising turn of events, I actually was like ready with an answer for this. Every, every time we do the podcast, I'm like racking my brain for what else I've played other than Genshin. But these past two weeks, I've been so far back into Fire Emblem Three Houses. And I was doing that in preparation for Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes. And out of nowhere this morning, Nintendo dropped the demo for the first four chapters of the game which I would have played immediately if I weren't literally at work. But tomorrow, I'm going to play that so hard. So I hope you all look forward to listening to me talk about that in two weeks when we do the next (laughs) podcast. But Three Houses is great. I've played through all of the um, storylines, except for the one that's called The Church Route, which for those of you who know the game, know that it's basically a rehash of Golden Deer, but I will play it eventually. But If you know, you know. If you know, you know. It's such a good game. If you've never played a Fire Emblem game, this was my first Fire Emblem game, and it was really great to get into the series. So, big recommend. Very similar Genshin-type vibes of, like, the fantasy kind of, like, older medieval-y aesthetic, so. Yeah, but this one's, like, a a turn-based strategy game, which I personally find really fun. Um, It has a bunch of, like, settings that can make it easier if perhaps it's not your speed and you're just there for the anime people, which would be very valid. We do describe it a lot as, like, anime chess is is how it works. (laughs) Yeah. That's our episode. Thank you all for listening. You can find us on Twitter at AdAstraPodcast. Also, make sure to follow us on Spotify to know when our next episode is live and to show your support. And And thank thank you you for completing completing your daily commissions. commissions.